0: Hi, everybody, this is Dr. Eric Quorum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to the Blueprint, where we distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Annie Duke for the final episode in a three part series on decision making, and more specifically, quitting. Annie is an author, speaker, and decision making strategist. As a former professional poker player, she won more than $4 million in tournament poker. During her career, Annie won a World Series of Poker bracelet and is the only woman to have won the World Series of Poker Tournament of Champions and the NBC National Poker Heads Up Championship. She retired from the game in 2012, but prior to becoming a professional poker player, Annie was awarded a National Science Foundation Fellowship to study cognitive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. Today, we are discussing how to quit well by leveraging kill criteria and a quitting coach. Annie also throws us a few surprises by setting up some common ways that people stay fresh to decisions and then reveals why they don't work. And I was really surprised by this, and I think you will be too. And if you enjoy this episode, you should definitely check out Annie's new book, Quit, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. It just came out I highly recommend it. I got an advanced copy and it was fantastic. So I put a link in the show notes. So go grab yourself a copy. But before we get started today, if you want to support the podcast, please leave us a comment and review on whichever listening platform you are joining us from. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Annie, so we've gotten ourselves to a point where we're like, you know what? The best thing to do is quit. And let's call it what it is. We're quitting. How do we quit well?
1: Yeah, okay, so let me just say briefly how we don't quit well. So I think that the first thing is that once people sort of understand this idea of like the sunk cost fallacy, there's other lots of other biases like status quo bias and and endowment and there's cognitive dissonance and a variety of things that make it hard for us to quit. The first thing is we sort of think, once we sort of know about that, we won't do it. Right. So like, I get it right. Waste is a forward looking problem, not a backward looking problem. It shouldn't matter what I've put into something. What matters is whether the next dollar is worth it. And once I understand that particular concept, I won't do it. So bad news. Number one is sorry, you'll still do it. Bad news. Number two is I've actually heard lots of people in finance say this, like in terms of their investing strategy, they'll come up to me and say, you know, Annie, I have a strategy for not falling for like the sunk cost fallacy. What I do is I look at my portfolio every morning and I say, would I buy these things today? And in other words, so you're trying to imagine being fresh to the decision. So this is the thing, like if you're running a marathon and you break your leg on mile eight, it's hard for you to quit cause you're in it, right? Like Daniel Kahneman says. But if I were to plop you down on mile eight, having not started the race with a broken leg, you would never start. So if that's the case, like if you said, I'm going to plop you down on mile eight with a broken femur, you obviously wouldn't start the race. But having started, that's where it's hard. So what they're trying to do is like a Jedi mind trick where they're imagining being fresh to that choice, right? And think about that, like if you've had a job, right? Like you're in some crap job. If I told you, if you knew that this was what the job was going to look like, would you have taken the job? You'd say no. Or you're in a relationship. That, that ship that's going really poorly that maybe you've been in for like a, a two years and so it's really hard to walk away from it. And I say, if you knew that this is what the relationship was gonna look like, would you have started it? The answer is usually no. would you Would you get into a relationship that looks like this today? The answer is no, right? So if we say no to, I wouldn't start it today, or at this moment, we should say no, you know, when we're, we're already in it. So what people say is, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask myself, well, if I knew this was going to be the situation, or would I start, would I start this relationship today in the state that it's in? Would I take this job today, knowing all of this information that I have? And if the answer is no, then I'll walk away. So that sounds like it would be pretty effective, I assume. Not at all. So that's bad news number (laughs) two. It doesn't help you a bit. So there's lots and lots of scientific research that, that supports this. This is true of most cognitive biases, right, by the way, is that knowing about them and trying to sort of trick your mind out of it doesn't actually work very well. So then the question is, what does work really well? So there's two things that work really well. The first is to develop kill criteria. So what are kill criteria? Well, We've been talking about, there's all sorts of signals that can tell you that the world has gone against you in some way, that this is a thing that you should now walk away from. And we have the intuition that when we sort of see those signals in real time, that we'll react to them and, and walk away, but we know we don't. So what if we were to make a list of those signals? You know, it's sort of a good as a list as we can come up with in advance, and then commit to when we see those things we will actually walk away. So that would be setting a list of kill criteria. So I'll just give you an example from a SaaS company that I consult with, MParticle. They create a CDP, a customer data platform. And I was working with their sellers and basically I just sent out this prompt. It was to 40 sellers. They all answered independently, which is important. You don't really want to do brainstorming in group settings. It reduces the quality of the brainstorm. But so I sent it you know, to them independently and I just said, imagine you got a lead through an RFP or RFI. and it's now six months later and the deal is lost. You didn't win the deal. Looking back, you realize there were early signals that you weren't gonna win the deal. What were they? Okay, so I'm just trying to sort of gather this information and they gave us lots and lots and lots of answers, but like here are a couple of them. One was the customer in the first meeting only wanted to talk about price. So that was like a very common response from the seller's Obviously, in that case, you assume you're being used as a stalking horse. Um, another one was we couldn't get a decision maker in the room. So, th- those are like two examples. We, we got a big list, but those would be two examples. Now we turn those into kill criteria, which is we said, okay when you enter into a deal, if the customer only wants to talk about price, let's figure out what the action is going to be that follows that. So in this case, they they said the action would be actually not to pursue the deal. They felt that that was a strong enough signal that it wasn't worth pursuing anymore. There was going to be a waste of the seller's time who could be selling, spending their time on more, more profitable, more optimistic prospects, right? Mm-hmm. But they couldn't get a decision maker in the room. They said, well, we don't want to just walk away from that. We want to offer up executive alignment. So we'll offer to get a decision maker from our side in the room and tell them we think that that deals work out better when we can do that from both sides. And so at the next meeting, can they get a decision maker? We'll get a decision maker and we'll proceed from there. And if they said yes to that, they would continue to pursue the deal. If the If they said no, then they would kill it. So I think that's a really good example of kill criteria. And in fact, a great example of kill criteria is a turnaround time on Everest. Mm, if o'clock. I'm not at point A by 1 p.m., I got to turn around. It right? takes so this is so very much good
0: courage that I, I don't want maybe it's courage, but maybe it's just like void your feelings. And I guess that's what the kill criteria is. You're getting feelings and emotion out of the equation. You're like this is what we agreed to in advance before the moment. Let's go. Is that kind of what you're doing? taking emotion out of the equation
1: or do you need to update? So that's part of being in it. No, but part of being in it is that, is that that's when all the, the emotional stuff, like all the bias is going to get you. And we tend to see things much more clearly when we're separated in time from it Mm -hmm. or when we're looking at another person. So let me say this about kill criteria. Kill criteria are not going to make you perfect at this, right? On Everest, I told you about the three climbers who followed it, and there are many, many climbers didn't, but those three climbers lived. right? So let's take that, right? If we can go from zero to three, that's a huge win, right? So if it makes you more likely... To actually turn around when you should, or walk away when you should, or quit when you should, we should take that as a huge win. So, you know, as, to sort of take Astro Teller's example, like if you have kill criteria and you, it makes you quit at 2 million, even if if you were a perfect decision, or you, decision maker, rather, you should have quit at 1 million. But without the kill criteria, you would have spent nine. Okay. Did you spend a million more than, you know, if you were a perfectly rational person? Sure. But you saved 7 million because you had the kill criteria. And I think that we need to realize that those things are really big wins. So they increase the probability that you're going to be able to do it. When it comes to something like kill criteria within a team, this now gives the seller a way to get away from that moment of failing to having failed because you're giving them another way to succeed right? So uh, let's say I'm in leadership and I say, here are the qualities of a deal that should cause you to move it forward in the funnel. We also have these kill criteria that tell you, you should take it out of the funnel. And as much as you're going to get kudos for moving things through the funnel, I'm also going to be evaluating you on whether you actually follow the kill criteria. So now when they follow the kill criteria, guess what? they get a win, right? It allows wow. them to turn that failure into a success because they followed something that you've made a pre-commitment to. And that's a big deal, right? So I think that that's part of it as well as it gets you out of that kind of bind that you get into about what does it mean when I actually abandon course. So that's like the first thing that you can do is like really for any projects that kill criterion. here's the thing I want to say, if you didn't do it at the start, it's never too late. So you can sit down now and you can say, Let's imagine what we could see in the next six months or the next two weeks or the next whatever that would cause us to feel like this was something that we could walk away. We should walk away from. And I actually do this with employers a lot where they're struggling with employees, I say to them, sit down with the employee and and create a list of kill criteria. Like, let's say you're you're underperforming. Let's look at what are the deliverables? What are the things that I want to see from you in terms of benchmarks and improved performance or KPIs or whatever in the next six weeks? And let's agree that we need to see those from you before, you know, and then we'll reassess. That actually makes for a much friendlier parting Because it's very clear to the employee, you've also set kill criteria for yourself. So you can't sit there and go, well, they've improved a little or they're trying really hard or all those things that, you know, make it so that we don't want to actually let people go. When, as Stuart Butterfield pointed out, it would be better to let them go and go move to something where they would actually thrive. So I, I think that that's really an important piece is these kill criteria. The second piece is also what you pointed out is that you see things better from the outside looking in than from the inside looking out. So go get yourself a quitting coach. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, go find somebody who's going to help you with the decision and help you understand and give them permission, right? Like if you see that I'm failing, tell me I'm failing because I really want to hear it. And my definition of you being nice to me is to stop me from doing something stupid for six months longer than I really ought to. Okay. Haven't you had this happen to you? Like you break up with someone and everybody's like, oh yeah, man, I really thought you should have done that a long time ago. And you're like, Hey, (laughs) why didn't you tell me that? And they're like, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I
0: do not want to hurt your feelings. Yep. Right. That you have to give people the, you have to give them permission to speak into your life. And so I think right. that's, that's the point you're trying to make here is that if you want to get better at making these decisions, you've got to give people agency to talk into your life and be like, Hey, look, it may hurt, but I want you to do this because um, it's going to help me
1: in the long run.
0: Right. That's you don't, don't want to hurt my friend. feelings
1: in the short run, right? Like you're trying to spare my feelings in the short run, but you're hurting me in the long run. Cause you're now telling me that you knew that relationship was toxic six months ago and you let me stay in it mm. because you didn't want to hurt my feelings. Right. So like, but, but understand you have to as you just said, you have to give people permission to do that. So you can see how, like if you take this combination of kill criteria and quitting coaches together, like when we think about someone who's in leadership, Like when someone starts a project, right? Sit down with them and say, let's set the kill criteria now. And then you can do that on a regular cadence, right? Like uh, six months in, you can set new kill criteria for for the next six months, you know, and, and now you can sit down and you've got clear kill criteria that have been generated by the person who's the project manager, by the people who are actually engaged in doing the project. You're in a leadership position and you can now hold them accountable for that. And you could, you may see the signals better than they do when one of those signals appear. And you can go and say to them, Hey, like we all agreed to this list and I'm seeing the signal. Let's talk about pulling the plug here. And maybe it's right. And maybe it's not. But if you tell me that you can turn it around, that's fine. We're going to talk about what exactly does turn it around mean. And out of that, we're going to set new kill criteria because you're going to say this is what success is going to look like. We're going to write that down. And if you don't meet that, then we're going to walk away from this thing. And that's all going to get you to the decision faster.
0: This is brilliant. Annie, I am so thankful that you came on the show this week to talk about why we need to stop putting a bad stigma on quitting. Quitting is actually sometimes the best decision that you can possibly make for yourself and for those that you love and maybe your employees. You need to get the book Quit, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. It's in the show notes. It'll be in the newsletter. Annie, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you found this series with Annie to be insightful and helpful to you, please take a screenshot of the episode and share it on whichever social media platform that you use and make sure to tag me and Andy in it and let us know what you learned. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.